And there is a reason that I am here today talking about this. And there's a reason that you guys are all here today, too. I think this is a really important uh, subject that we're going to focus on today. And I am so, I can't tell you how aware I am of having sort of lost my mind for a week or two. I am so aware of how we are relying on God for every single breath, heartbeat, keeping our wits about us, the whole, the whole nine yards. So anyways, we're going to focus on 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 through 5. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Um, I want to give you some context uh, to this, because if you're just reading through the book of 2 Corinthians, you might come across this passage and, and sort of scooch past it without picking up everything that's there. But Paul was trying to shepherd the church, and he was trying to shepherd church leaders, and many of them disrespected him. And it was a struggle for Paul to deal with the church, a very real struggle. I mean, it's, it's nice to be able to say to other Christians, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Paul says stuff like that, but Paul also had to correct people. Paul had to point out when people were sinful. Paul had to say hard things to people as well. And he was really criticized for that. And he didn't, he felt bad about it. If you read first and second Corinthians, he's like, ah, I don't want to come there and say hard things to you. You know, it just kind of broke his heart to, to have to do that. And he was really criticized. It's funny. Second Corinthians, uh, 10, which is where we are a little further in the chapter. Um, this is what people were saying of Paul. His letters, uh, this is 1010. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. That's what they said of Paul. The Apostle Paul's coming to your church to preach. Great. It's going to be awesome. He wasn't that good. This is the Apostle Paul. They expected Charles Stanley. They got Charlie Brown. They just was like, this is not the guy. And that... Paul was so aware of his reliance on God, and he says to them, and this is sort of the context of what we're looking at today, he says to them, it's not about me, um, Wade has preached on this earlier in the summer too, it's not about me, but it's about the power of the message, it's about the power of God. This is you and God interacting together with God's Word. Do you believe that this is God's Word? Do you believe that this is God's Word? Thank you. Do we believe that this is the Word of God? They don't. People outside of this place, so many people outside of this place do not believe that this is God's Word. This is all of what this is about today. Because what you think about this book and what you put into your minds absolutely shapes what you do. Let's look at the text. Uh, I'm going to focus on verses 3 through 5 of 2 Corinthians 10. Paul writes, Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. First point, every Christian is in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not enlisted as a soldier or waging war according to the flesh. You're talking about spiritual warfare today. I don't want to talk about spiritual warfare. It just causes problems. Let's talk about something else. You know, we don't necessarily want to dig into the enemy thing because, uh, frankly, we'd like to be a little under the radar. You know, we're not sure that we want to get anyone's attention. You know, this is going to just stir up trouble. But we're in a battle. Every single Christian is in a battle. Once you decided you were going to follow Christ, you're in a battle. Every single day. There's no furlough from this. You're in a battle. We're not talking like heebie-jeebie stuff. We're not talking about clowns here, okay? This is real. Three, three areas I'll point out to you. We have an adversary who hates us. The scripture talks all about it. Jesus Christ talked about it. We have an adversary who hates us. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 talks about Satan as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Satan uh, is pictured in Isaiah 14, the fall of Satan, where he says, I will make myself like the Most High. He wants to raise himself up to be equal to God. We're going to come back to that. He lies, he steals, he kills, he deceives, he hates you. He hates your marriage. He wants to destroy it. He hates your relationship with God. He hates your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants you to doubt this book. He wants you to think that this book is not true. That it's not the Word of God. And he's going to say, did God really say that? Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve. God tells Adam that they can eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge. Eve is in the garden and the serpent comes along and says, did God actually say you can't eat of the trees of the garden? He twists the truth. Did God really say? Stick that phrase in your mind. Did God really say? Did God really say? Because throughout this week, you're going to be tested with, did God really say that? Did he truly say that? What are we talking about here? The Garden of Eden? Mostly naked couple wearing fig leaves, walking around, snakes talking? Come on, who believes that stuff? Uh, the Apostle Paul did, actually, because uh, in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 Paul says, I'm afraid that the serpent who deceived Eve by his coming, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The Apostle Paul believed that Satan was real and alive, and what happened to Adam and Eve happened to Adam and Eve. It's a story of our beginning. The serpent said, You won't die. You'll just be like God, knowing good and evil. Half truth, it's true. They did know what good and evil was. 
And we, we want to know about evil, don't we? We want to know about evil. If you go to the movies, you want to know about evil, right? We, we open up the news and we want to read about evil. We want to know about those things. We are driven. Am I just talking for myself here? <laughs> Satan would love for us to just be focused, focused on that stuff. But he hates us. He's an accuser of you. He'll put some horrible thought in your mind and then he'll say to you, what a crummy person you are for thinking that thought. Getting us from both ends. And he is going to try and convince us because incidentally he's lost. He's going to try and convince us that we are not who God says we are. That we may not win this. That maybe it's not real. All he can do is lie, steal, and deceive us. That's what he's got. That's the best. The battle is over. Uh, Edwin Luther, who uh, used to be the pastor of Moody Church, uh, talks about Satan as being the hoe of God in the hardened parts of our lives. Never out of God's hands. Satan is not just willy-nilly doing whatever he wants. Never out of God's hands. But he is still active, and he's trying to deceive us even today. This isn't just back in the biblical times. This goes on this day, yes? Secondly, we live, uh, we live in the flesh and the world. We are new, new creations in Christ, but here we are walking about in the flesh here, right? We still have our sinful desires. Anyone still have sinful desires here? We make mistakes. We get distracted. We blame others. We quarrel. We fight. We lust. Sometimes we know what's right and we just don't want to do it. So we don't. The flesh is still hanging around. And we live in the world. We live in this world system. The world system is designed to please our selfish desires and to get us to live apart from God. That's what the world system is set up to do. I'm a, I have been a hospital chaplain over the past five years, and um, I was in a chaplain meeting uh, several months back, and one of the chaplains from Southern California was sharing that they did a Vespers service in their senior living community, and uh, during this service, there was a 90-year-old, 90-something-year-old man that was there, and... She was sharing the gospel, and this 90-year-old man uh, started to weep, and he asked, you know, how could he know this Jesus? And he prayed to receive Christ. This 90-some-year-old man prayed to receive Christ. And this other chaplain shared this story in this meeting of chaplains, and one of the other chaplains was just shaking her head, and she said, just makes me shudder. That was her response to it. it. That just makes me shudder that you would, you would force your views on this person. This is the world that we live in. If, if, you, if you are being trained at all on your job about 
you know, any sort of religious... The world is great with us being religious. That's fine. You start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a problem. The world is not for Jesus Christ. You can talk about everything, but you start talking about Christ, we have a battle. We live in this world. What are we going to do? Folks, we are, we are aliens and strangers in this world. This is not our home. This will never be our home. So don't get all comfy cozy here. This is not where we belong. Third, and this is mostly what this passage focuses on, when we came to Christ, although we are new creatures, the old has passed away, the new has come, unfortunately, nobody pushed delete on our brains. There was no wipe of everything that we thought and did beforehand. Our old ways of thinking, our old ways of coping, the things that we ran to for comfort, the things that we escaped to, the insecurities that we had, all of those things still continue. And so Paul says you're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to change those things, to work on those things, because they are there. They are there like ten layers of lead paint on a masterpiece. They are still there. You are a masterpiece. You are holy. You are forgiven. You are a saint. Saint Scott. You are pure. You are forgiven. A hundred percent. You are an overcomer. We do not feel like that because our minds are still thinking we're under the old authority that we were under before. And this is a battle to change our minds. It's a battle to change the way that we think about these things. Verse 4, look at that again. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful to destroy strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. What is this stronghold thing that Paul is talking about? We get these strongholds. It's used once in the New Testament, not a, not a lot of help. It's used another time in the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs 21, 22. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Characteristics of a stronghold are those thoughts that occupy our minds, um, that argue with you about doing what's right, that, that tell you you're somebody who you are not. They're lies. It's a tower of lies. And they, the, the text tells us that they proudly raise up against the knowledge of God. They say, no, this is, this is what's true. This is what's true. This is, this is what you should believe. They try and, try and get you to forget who you are in Christ. Um, Ed Silvaso, author, says that a stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopeless, hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable something we know to be contrary to the will of God. A stronghold gets us to accept something that we know is contrary to the will of God as being true. And they're built in 
many, many ways. Some of them start right at childhood, very, very early on. Somebody said to you, you know, you will never amount to anything. You are not talented. You are not funny. These things stick with us. I remember fifth grade, Cindy DeAnker. She was so pretty and cool and everything. And she had a Halloween party and she lived on my street and she said, will you come to my Halloween party? And I said, yes. And I went to her Halloween party. I got in my best bum outfit and there I went down there. And I knocked on the door and she met me at the door and she said, what are you doing here? You're a pest. That is the reason I still remember Cindy DeAnker to this day. <laughs> because she put in my mind that there was something really, really wrong with me. And I'm going to tell you, maybe I need therapy or something, but I'm going to tell you, that took me a while. What am I saying? I'm 57. That was a long time ago, and I'm still shaking that off. People say things to us, or traumatic events happen to us. Some of us, as young men, saw pictures of things that we should have never seen at an early age, and we can still recall that picture in our mind. And yet, we study for 14 hours to pass some exam, and after it's over, we forget the whole thing. But I'm still remembering that thing back there. Strongholds being built inside of our mind. Imprints that we get. Sinful patterns. We... We get into something and we do it over and over and over again and I'm sorry and over and I'm sorry and over this back and forth and we plow these paths so deeply that we just tend to go right back in those paths again. Over and over. That's a stronghold. James talks about it. Uh, he says, each one is tempted, this is James 1, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed, and then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. There's this whole progression of how we kind of get stuck. Stuck being apathetic, stuck in some sinful pattern. It starts with a temptation. Nothing wrong with a temptation, all right? There's, Jesus was tempted in every way and yet without sin, right? And you have a chance. The temptation comes. What? There is no temptation that's taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful and will provide a way of escape. It's always there. Did God really say that? Yes, God really said that. Yes, he did. There is a way of escape every single time. Every single time. No exceptions. A way of escape. It's true. There's a temptation, but then there's this consideration. Hmm. What am I going to do with this? We have a thought. What am I going to do with the thought? Well, then there's a choice. We make a choice. And you continue to make those choices long enough, and it turns into what? A habit. Huh. That habit hangs along, hangs around long enough, and it changes the way that we think. And we start to think, this is not that bad. This is who I am. This, this is something that will sort of always be around. 
something that is contrary to the will of God has raised itself up above the knowledge of God and it gets us stuck. Because that habit turns into a stronghold then. And let, let me just let me go to the end of the story for just a second here. This begins to take place more and more and more in secret, okay? Over time. So now, now you start to get into the things that nobody knows about, right? And that is that is the best place for Satan to hang out with you, just between you and you and him. I'm not gonna talk about this to anybody. I'm going to really sort of avoid those passages in the scriptures too. I hope they don't preach about that this week. You know what I mean? In secret is where we really, really get stuck. You turn on the lights. That's why, that's why Jesus, or that's why, uh, indirectly Jesus, John, John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did God really say that? Thank you. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did say that. Yes. Every Christian has the tools for the, bat- for the battle. And I'm right this minute, right now, it's not, you have to be in church for 27 more years or whatever before you get the tools for battle. You have been equipped for battle right now. Second uh, Peter 1.3. Listen to this. Listen. Are you listening? 2 Peter 1.3 God's divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Done. There you go. All things. God has given to us everything that we need, that we need in Christ to live holy, godly lives. Did God mean all things? Yes, God meant all things. you know what all means in the Greek? All. <laughs> all things. What has he given us? He's given us his word. Oh, oh. But this is boring. No, it's not. This is a tool. It is so useful. Hebrews 12. You probably know this. The Word of God is living and active. It's living. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges our thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. That is not like a God is going to judge you verse. That is God knows what's going on in you right now. He knows. And He's given you what you need to live a holy, godly life right now. Not when you figure these 12 things out right now, today. We have it at our disposal. We have to be sure that we're believing and acting on what is true. And yet when we have an issue, we don't get on our knees and pray. We don't search the scriptures as if our life depends on it. Maybe we phone a friend. Maybe we we go... God, is there another book? I'm going to go to the bookstore because maybe there's another book that could help with this. We don't use, listen to me, we don't use what we've been given, we just try harder. I'm going to try harder. This thing is really dogging me. I'm going to just try harder. If you've ever gone on a diet, what do you think about most of the time? Eating. 
right? Trying harder is not good. It's not, and you're saying, well, Scott, aren't you telling me to try harder? I'm not telling you to try harder. I'm telling you to use, I'm not telling you, God is telling you to use the tools that God has given you already. He's not mad at you because you haven't been doing it. He's saying, here, it's here. You've, you've, got the, you've got the tools to be able to use. We use the wrong tools. You know, as a, as a kid, my father did not want me to use his tools. He didn't, because I would lose them, I would break them, so invariably I would find myself, you know, trying to pound a nail in with a rock and bent nails and trying to make a go-kart out of nothing. Guys, you know what I'm talking about here. But our Heavenly Father wants us to use the tools. Go ahead and use the tools. It's okay. You're not going to hurt yourself. Go ahead and use the tools. You don't even have to put them back. Just use them. God's Word. God's Word. Wonderful tool. And we'll talk about how you do that. Prayer. Gosh, just stopping. You ever have an argument with your wife, your husband, or whatever, and one of you just will say, let's pray. Let's just stop and pray. No, I don't want to. Let's use the tools of the flesh with each other. That's more fun. That way this will be more entertaining throughout the whole evening. No, why don't we just pray? God's given us that tool. God has given us his spirit. Oh, gosh. You know, when there's a stronghold that's there, though, when that starts to get in, we stop listening. We quit listening, or it becomes very hard to listen to what the spirit has to say. You can change it just like that, though. Paul tells us in the book of Philippians that is God who works in us to will and to do. God even gives us the want to. That's a great place to start. God, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to change this. I just don't. I don't know what to do, and I don't want to. Can you at least give me the want to? How many of you here think God is not going to answer that prayer? God, help me to want to. God has given us the tools, the weapons that are powerful for changing our minds and destroying strongholds. This is not a guilt trip. This is us just following what God has for us. God is not going to say, look at you. How did you get there? He doesn't do that. God comforts the downcast. He encourages our hearts. And I want to remind us again, you are on the winning team. You're on the winning team. I don't care what's going on in your life. You're on the winning team. Jesus Christ, I mean, we sang about it this morning. Did you hear those words that we sang this morning? We're on the winning team. We're just, we're waiting for the victory parade to come past us. That's all we're waiting for at this point. Uh, Colossians you're jotting anything down, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us our trespasses, having canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame triumphing over them. Paul is, Paul is talking about a, a soldier's victory parade. 
It's like they're being marched past us right now. The victory is done. I love to watch the Warriors. At least I used to. We'll see what happens. But love to watch the Warriors games because it's and, and at the same time I think it's hurt my blood pressure watching them. But Eleanor will watch a little bit of it. But I'm like I I've got it you know taped. So then I'm like here come here come here a second I'm gonna show you something. So there's like four minutes left. You know we're down by 15. She's like why are you watching this? Just wait. This way, you know, and this happens and that happens and this happens, that man, and Draymond steals the ball and Curry throws up some crazy thing from the opposite free throw line and swish, and they win. Because I already knew what was going to happen there. I'm just like, watch this. Folks, that is where we're at. We already know what is going to happen. The angel Gabriel is not going to pull up with a hammy, okay? We are not going to trade Moses to the Houston Rockets, all right? We win. We win. We win. You are an overcomer today. You won. Satan's going to do everything that he can. The world is going to do everything it can. Your flesh is going to do everything it can to convince you that is not the case. And you say no. Satan just, it's like he says two little words. Did we? Did we win? And we go, oh, I'm not sure. Dudes. Huge financial pressure that you're under. Can't get my life together because I got all these financial stuff going on. My God will supply all my needs according to Christ Jesus. Will he? Yeah. He will. Incredible temptation. God will provide a way of escape. Will he? Yes. Some idiot has broken your heart. God is near to the brokenhearted. Is he? Yeah. I don't feel him. Well, the righteous shall live by feelings. No. (laughs) The righteous shall live by faith. Yeah. Some mortifying personal sin. I can't tell anybody out. I can't talk to God about it. Well, He knows. God delights in turning things around. All right, last last thing. Every Christian needs to plan to win the battle. Plan to win. Verse 5, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. The first thing that we have to do is recognize the lies. Recognize when something is not the truth. Strongholds are going to be really stubborn. But recognizing that. some of Please don't walk out of here today knowing some, like God has gone, hey, what about that? And you go, yes, I know that. And you just go about your way. Don't do that, alright? God talking to you, Write it down. Talk to somebody. Spend some time in prayer on it, all right? Recognize what's going on. And realize, too, not every thought that you have is a good one. Some of the stuff that you think about is not good. It's not a good idea. And it's not wrong to have a terrible thought, some big animal thought comes in, What is wrong is putting a leash on it and taking it for a walk, okay? 
I want to consider that for a little bit. Then we find ourselves stuck. Thoughts have to be evaluated according to God's word. Don't just know what you're against. Know what you're for. Know what God wants you to do. Second, replace, and this is so important, replace the lies with truth. Memorize Scripture. Memorize Scripture. Put it inside. I can't tell you as as stumbly crumbly as I have lived my Christian life, the best thing that has served me is at some moment of clarity in my life, I have memorized some Scripture. And God has brought it back to me at very pointed moments. And it, it has served me well. Listen to this. Listen, you got to hear this. And you know the verse. John 8, 31, 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Thank you. Set you free. Strongholds. The truth will set you free. The truth of God's word. Being true, being honest, will set you free. I don't want to. It's embarrassing. Okay, we'll stay where you are then. The truth will set you free. I have uh, in the little, with a little nook out back, love the little nook, place to go and escape to. And uh, Eleanor bought a, a plaque up on the wall, which is Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Replacing the lies with the truth. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. Scott, are you saying that every thought that comes into my mind, I should see if it fits in that list? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That that's the kind of stuff that we should be dwelling on. This is not how the world thinks. This is different. Last, you've got to have a plan. Have a plan. And it's uh, uh, pointed out to me, too, you've got to like, implement the plan, too. You can't be... Um, I know that my... Um, like, like my dad would tell me to, something, to, to do something, and I would say, I know... I know what to do. And then what would he say? Well then, do it. Do it. And now I find myself saying the same things exasperated to my children. <laughs> don't keep saying you know if you won't do it. And God looks at me and says, don't keep saying you know the right thing to do if you're not going to do it. Do it. Have a plan. God will give you the want to for that. We kind of wing the Christian life, don't we? We just sort of, seat of our pants, wing it. I know how to be a Christian. I'm going to... It's like we're going bowling or something. Don't tell me how to do this. I got this. You know, we do it like once every two years. No. If you're hitting gutter ball after gutter ball after gutter ball after gutter ball, you should take a lesson. You should have a plan. All right? Have a plan. And plan on doing it. Um... Let me, let me just 
just close with with this. So a plan. What are you talking about, Scott? It's it's figuring out. Okay, what is what is going on here, and how do I keep ending up in this gutter over here? What's going on? There was um, there was a cartoon, uh, a newspaper c- cartoon, um, Nancy, uh, several several years ago. Um, uh, newspaper cartoons. Wait, let me back up. Long time ago, kids used to ride on bicycles, and they would take these papers and they would throw them up into people's yards, and then people would open them, and inside them there would be the comics. Anyways, so yes, thank you. New Mel would remember that. Um, there was a Nancy comic. Nancy was this lovable single gal, and um, always, you know, was kind of working on her diet and stuff, and. Around Halloween time, this came out, and uh, the f- several panels. And Nancy s- starts out with, "Okay, this year I am not going to buy Halloween candy. That's an issue. I'm not going to buy the Halloween candy. That's where it starts. Then it's, I- I'm going to, I need to go to the grocery store today, but I'm not going to go down the aisle where the Halloween candy is. And then the next panel is, I'll go down the aisle where the Halloween candy is, but I am not going to look at the Halloween candy. All right, well, I'm going to look and see what they have in the Halloween candy, but I'm not going to pick it up. Okay, I'm going to pick it up, but I'm not going to take it to the cash register and buy it. Okay, I'm going to buy it, um, but I'm going to give it to work. Okay, I'm I'm going to keep it at home, but I'm not going to open it. Uh, I'm going to open it but I'm not going to taste it. I'm going to taste it, but I'm not going to eat it. And the last panel is just a flurry of, of papers going up in the air, and it's like, ee, dee, 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 dee. So where was the problem? Uh, probably I will go down the aisle where we know this pattern in our lives, don't we, if we think about? We know the pattern in our lives. We're dealing with our flesh. Let me give you three things related to that. There's something that comes up in your life over and over. I want you to remember, walk of honesty, walk of death, walk by the Spirit. Walk of honesty, walk of death, walk by the Spirit. As soon as something comes up, walk of honesty. God, I'm struggling with this. 1 John 1, 9, I'm struggling with this. Uh, James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. Walk of honesty. Immediately, you're going to actually take some action on this. Walk of death. What are you talking about there? Well, Romans chapter 6 tells us that when Christ died, we died with him. And sin is no longer your master because you are under grace now. So you are dead to sin. I'm, I'm dead to this. You know, I feel this temptation, but I am, I am dead to this. That's who I am in Christ. Third, walk by the Spirit. God, uh, we have really great resources. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm going to tell you that one of those is going to match up with whatever you're struggling with. God, would you replace this area of the flesh with this fruit of the Spirit? Scott, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, have a plan. Let's have a plan and let's change our minds, and be successful. Because we know the truth. The truth will set us free. Let's pray.
Father God, you are, you are real, and we do not have to doubt for a moment your word, but you know us. You know us inside and out. You know all of our stories. You know how we got to be where we are today. You know that we live in today. We don't see the end so well, and we're really focused many times on all the stuff that's gone on before. Uh, so you are mindful that we are but dust, and you are rooting for us. We know that from your word. So we ask that you would help each one of us right where we need it today. God, we want to think your thoughts. We want to walk in your ways, and uh, we need your encouragement and power to do that. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.